everybody, and welcome to Libromancy, a podcast about the magic of books. I'm Josh, and today I'm going to be talking about Faded, the first book in the Alex Veris series by Benedict Jacka. So let's divine the magic of books. So I want to talk a little bit about this series first. I have read this series before, at least uh, half of it, the first half I read it a while ago, and I kind of was almost caught up, and then I got distracted and had to read something else, or I forgot about it which is tough to do because it's a fun little series. But this is a great series, so I'm really excited to be talking about it. I, I find this one a lot of fun. I love the style. So just so you know, this is an urban fantasy story. We're following Alex Ferris. He lives in London. He, is a mag- he uses magic. He is a diviner. This is all very basic, non-spoilery stuff here, so don't worry. And we're going to follow him. There are 12 books in the series right now, so I'm really excited to get through all of them. If you've read uh, Harry Dresden, any of the Dresden Files, this is similar, but I think, at least in the beginning, it's a little bit higher uh, quality than Dresden. You're going to see a lot less uh, references to things in Dresden that people make a lot of noise about which is fine that's everyone's entitled to their opinion and if you look at it yes it is there so let's talk about divine and alex ferris so you know this is a good book in a non-spoiler kind of way this as the first book in of a series we introduce a lot of characters we're seeing a lot of motivations and a lot of things come into play but some characters are going to feel a little bit flat just because We are moving at such a high pace and we're introducing so many characters. We're not really able to grow with them as much. Like we do grow with characters, like we do grow with our main character, but the, some of the side characters are going to feel a little flat and that's okay for this first book. It's not the end of the world. They get their own screen time. Most, uh, I I can assure you that. So I really like this plot and in a non-spoilery way, this plot almost makes me think of a fetch quest but it's not really a fetch quest at all. So it's just an interesting thought that like he has to do things and then he has to do other things. So I really liked it. Um, I did really love the call out to the Dresden Files in the very beginning that he's like, oh, I heard of a wizard who puts himself in the phone book in Chicago and that's crazy, probably just a myth. And I'm like, ah, that's my Dresden. I love it. That's, That's so fun. So I really feel like his world building, Benedict Jack's world building for this series is great, uh, especially the magic. He's really thought about this divining as his magic system. Divining is not the only magic, but it's it's the main one we're following. And he's really thought about a lot about how to work it and how it's going to be less effective because divining you would think is just the most kind of overpowered ability you could have, you know, to see the future. And while it is, it also isn't at the same time that I, I don't want to get into yet. But I think it, it's a great book. Uh, it's really good writing. I really I really like those moments where you just like you're in the book and you're reading it and then you feel like, oh man, that just happened. I'm so excited. Like this is going to get going. Uh, there's a lot of those moments and I liked it a lot. Uh, one thing I think maybe we could do a little less of in this book would be a little bit less explaining every power system over and over again because and there's only one power system it's magic but he kind of repeats it a bunch and I know as a first book he's trying to make sure everybody understands but uh, I felt like I just was hearing the same information over and over again so all right I think we're just gonna have to move into the spoiler section because there's so much that I want to talk about and I just can't talk about it without spoiling things so let's get into it so 
Um, One of the other things I felt, if we go back to the writing a little bit, is the constant talking about how the dark mages and the light mages are the same, but they're different, but both of them will throw you under a bus without hesitating for a second. Now, dark mages uh, believe that might is right. You know, bottom line, that's it. If you have the might, you have the power. If you don't, you have to obey or you should obey. And if you don't, then you get what's coming to you, right? Whereas light mages are more might is right uh, on their own time, but they're very manipulative and the the politicky and the very polite about it like but at the same time they definitely aren't going to wait to throw you under a bus and i'm excited to see uh what i from what i can remember which is not a ton but I, i'm really excited to see the interactions we get between alex Ferris and both the light mages and the dark mages and the and what goes on with there because i remember there being some really uh juicy things so uh, let's talk about the plot because i said it's similar to a fetch quest but it's not so the plot is is that he has to is the diviner he's being contracted by the council of light mages to open up this precursor relic now who are the precursors people who lived a long time ago the, you know what did they do the cool magic that we can't do anymore because they were really really awesome and what's in it who knows but it's very powerful and if you fail to open it the right way it summons a lightning elemental who just wrecks everybody so it's pretty fun so i enjoy seeing the divination part of this um i love seeing where he's like i'm gonna go investigate this on my own because i heard about it and he uses his his div- divination magic to basically walk right past the guards without them seeing so i love the way he describes it in the book he's like you know it just looks like one of those really crappy one of those silly silly comedy hijinks where you know, one guard will look to the left or the other one just happens to like tie a shoe and then the other one will like sneeze and the other guard will say, you look at turn towards him and they'll both not be looking at the exact same time and he'll walk past that to the next step. And he just, it was so fun reading that. And he's like, eh, guessing passwords is really easy for me because I just look to the future and I just see what, uh, what passwords don't work and I don't say those and then I do the one that does. And he's like, I give most passwords like five minutes tops. And that was just so fun like to see him, to see how his ability works, that he kind of sees all the infinite possibilities, not all of them, but like a lot of them, the more common ones. And then he kind of narrows it down and he can pick things and choose and cycle through things. So uh, I loved it a lot. Let's talk about our main character, Alex. Alex Varys, which, you know, this is the first time I think I've picked up that he even says like, hey, Alex is not my real name, but it's the name I go by. So I love Alex. He was a dark mage apprentice. He broke away. He's kind of a rogue. He runs his own little shop, sells some magical things, tries to keep his nose out of his business, is a diviner, you know, cares about people, tries to help, wants to be good, hates the dark mages and the light mages because the light mages don't do anything about the dark mages. And we see a lot of character growth with Alex, even as in this first book. Now, you might think it's a little bit too much my character growth, but I don't think so. He's, you know, he basically escaped his apprenticeship as a dark mage and then walled it off and didn't think about it and kind of did his own thing for a while. And now that he's being forced to reinteract with the dark mages and the light mages, yeah, I mean, he's interacted with the light mages, but like really forced to interact and work with them. He's really, he's really. Yeah, he's really breaking down that barrier in his mind, and you know, it's 
rebuilding all these things. And, and then he has to go into the, the dream world, basically. I can't remember its name off the top of my head. I'm sorry. And he has to experience his memories again, and he comes out stronger for it. So I really thought that he had a lot of good character growth and a lot of good character moments. You know, we see how willing he is to, to hurt people, to keep people, his, his friends safe. And, you know, if you come across him, if you cross him, you're going to be in trouble. But, you know, he doesn't want to hurt people, but he knows that that's all that dark mages will understand. And, you know, we see that that, that still that influence might makes right. Like, I can stop you and I will. So you better listen to me. Um, one of our other main characters is Luna. Luna is a fun one. She has a curse on her that any bad luck that would happen to her happens to other people. So she's she's kind of safe from accidents, but because of that, they're pushed to people around her. And the closer you are to her and the more you touch her kind of a thing, like the stronger it gets until it happens and, until you die. Or, you know, it can kill you or make you hurt or get you in accidents, all sorts of things. So Luna's character is great because she's like, I can't afford to touch anybody. And you can see that in her actions. She's just like, no, uh-uh. I can't be with you. I can't be safe. You know, I have to keep my distance. I can't form real emotional attachments. And it's crazy. And it's just, you know, and then they work through a little bit of it. And she's like, oh, this is great. And I, I like Luna. She's a lot of fun. Now, in this book, there definitely seems to be pushing a an Alex-Luna little relationship. And let me tell you, I'm all for it. And I was all for it when I read it the first time. Because I think they'd be great. But I can't tell you what happened. So I like it. I like that relationship. And then we get Delio and Rachel. She's the same person. We know she's from Alex's past, but we don't know who, who she was to him or why she hates him so much. We don't really know anything about Rachel. They just kind of, she's kind of there and she's, you know, against him, but willing to still listen to him and trust him sometimes. So it's kind of an interesting thing. I, we see a little bit of growth from her and I expect that we see a little bit more. Yeah, for our villains, Cinder and Kazad, they're both a little flat. They just always attack him. Kazad is just a general jerk and wants to hurt him. And Cinder is kind of just that big jockey bully. But I think we're going to see a little bit more from at least Cinder because Kazad does not make it out because he's dumb and he couldn't get over himself. Uh, Onyx is another side character, but again, He's kind of flat because his purpose is to just be the enforcer for the Dark Mages. And he does that really well, just doing what he does. So it wasn't necessary to make it anything more. Oh, uh, let's talk about Morden. He is a smart Dark Mage, very political. You know, he doesn't, except for the whole torture scene, which I'm glad it didn't really go into, but doesn't seem as evil or at least as like immediately violent as the other ones, which probably means he's even more dangerous. Now... Oh, I forgot. We didn't talk about this when we were talking about plot. The the artifact inside the the tomb or the you know, thing is the Fate Weaver. Basically something that lets you control Fate a little bit. That was cool. And Abithriax being in the Fate Weaver. And Abithriax as a character is just like, yeah, you know, I took, o I took it over. I put my mind in it. I stabilized it so it'll keep working because the other ones were finicky. You know, because you're only changing Fate. And uh, basically my enemies would take it for themselves. I'd corrupt them and control them. And then I'd move to the next one. They'd get killed. I'd move to the next and do the next and kill the next. And Alex figuring it out you know, very briefly, barely. And Luna and everybody working together to save him. Starbreeze is a fun character. You know, Wind Elemental plays off all the great Wind Elemental tropes. So fun. But, oh, 
let's talk go back just a little bit to epic 3x that was just the coolest scene when alex gets the fate weaver in his hands and he's like because i could see the future i basically just looked into the future and instead of using the fate weaver kind of willy-nilly i feel like alex was more powerful because he was a diviner because he could actually see the future instead of just having to like make fate happen so he was like yeah i just looked into the future and i chose the future where you know Onyx's bolt of force missed me, and I made that the future, and it, it blew right past me. Or he shot a wall at me, and I made there a, frac, uh, a crack in it, and then I used the Fate Weaver to make the crack bigger. And he's like, I basically just walked up to him, like, deflecting all of his magical attacks. Like, he couldn't stop me. And that was such a, a cool, powerful scene. You're just like, oh man, I love it. You know, I love the magic system in this. I love that he can, you know, fate walk and he's just like, well, I'm going to decide to go here and I'm going to go here and I'm going to follow my future. Oh, okay, I died. Go back. Okay, I go here. Oh, I died. Um, that he was in like a prison cell when he was an apprentice for a little bit and he practiced using his divination just to know how to throw something so he can always hit the mark because he knows how to look into the future and see exactly when to throw it to make it happen. Uh, just so... Find so many tricks that Ox has come up with because if you've read the book, you know that the Venation magic has no like, he can't attack anybody with it, he can't hurt people with it, he can't even use gate magic to travel with it. So he's like a weakest of the weak mages, aside from like the fact that it's, he can see the future, you know, which is super powerful. I loved Arachne seeing her, you know, I, I know we're going to get a little bit more of her, and I'm really glad for it to see her kind of grow. I love that all the other divination mages in the world were like, uh, you know what? We're all just going to disappear right now because none of us want to be involved with the Fate Weaver, you know, because they kind of, they do something bad was happening. Uh, so I loved, I loved that. That was just great. And now while the book does take place, in London. I don't know if it really has like a London feel. It, it, it does, but it's more of just like a, a Europe or a, kind of just a generic city feel because I don't know much about London. So maybe he had a lot of things right on, but it it was just to me. That's what it was to me. But I really like this book. It's so fun. The series is great. They're quick reads. I think it's 300 pages on the paperback. So if you read it, you're definitely going to enjoy it. And, you know, this is going to wrap up my discussion of Fated by Benedict Jacka. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks to David Hillowitz for the intro and outro music. Of course, if you ever have any questions or comments, please send those to me, libromancypod at gmail.com. Um, you know, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. It always helps to get those and see those. And, of course, remember to divine the magic of books. Mm-hmm.